welcome to today's episode of the A Mother Brand podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be looking at three tools that you can use to help you cope when times are particularly tough. The reason this is important is building a business is hard. So a mother brand is all about how you can build a business around your family and thrive. And the and thrive is a really important element because it's not about just sharing tools and the community you need to build a business. It is that, but it's that plus how do you do that with good well-being? How do you do that so you're not just working yourself into the ground and not seeing your family, not taking care of yourself and getting ever closer to exhaustion and burnout? Because building a business around your family is brilliant, but it's also challenging at times. And at certain times of the year, it's particularly challenging. So beginning of the school holidays, when the juggle suddenly, you know, there's this adjustment to having kids home plus your work. Or when you've got big deadlines and a child's suddenly sick. Or when there's a special birthday coming up and you've got this extra kind of cake making things to do. Whatever it might be, there are various times of year where work gets even more pressured and there's more stress in your life. Life just happens and we need to find a way to get through that without burning out, without getting too exhausted and with looking after our well-being. So that's what we're looking at today. In this episode, I'm going to be pulling out bits of easy positive psychology that we can turn to when we need a little extra bit of support to get us through challenging patches. The first thing I want to look at today is a graph called the coping under pressure curve. I find this a really useful concept and analogy to think about if I want to check in with my workload and my levels of stress. Because as entrepreneurs, we are driven and we're passionate and sometimes we're over-optimistic too. I know I certainly am. Optimism is often a core strength of an entrepreneur because we have to believe that what we we're going towards is going to come true we're optimistic about it but personally i know i can overplay that optimism whether it's just putting one load of washing in just as i leave the house for picking up the kids and therefore essentially having to run or whether it's planning too much for my week i i take on too much sometimes because i'm over optimistic about how much i can fit in so we're driven we're passionate sometimes we're over optimistic we love our businesses and we want them to succeed and what that means is it's pretty easy to sometimes get a little bit out of alignment with our work-life balance, you know, the reason that we set up our business in the first place. And when this sort of thing goes on for too long, that's when things can go wrong. So I've seen way too many mothers work themselves into a hole. So whilst doing all their standard mum and life duties to the best of their abilities, they're kind of channeling a hustle harder mentality and they're skimping on sleep and they're skimping on their well-being and they're just trying to deliver their work but what happens is over time their mindset suffers and as their exhaustion moves towards burnout they fall completely out of love with their business and they can't remember why they started doing it in the first place it's a false economy it's this kind of stress epidemic that we live in that's caused by this conditioning that we have to keep working harder sleep less work harder and that'll be the answer but actually the truth is that if we work less but we sleep more and we have better well-being when we do get to work we're going to do better work and we're going to achieve more and have greater success but it's tough because that's kind of how we've all been conditioned to believe that we should work so the coping under pressure curve is a really good illustration of how all of this can play out Imagine you've got a curve a bit like a hill and on the x-axis you've got performance and on the y-axis you've got stress levels. 
And at the beginning, you've got too little stress. There's not really much going on. There's not much work going on. It's called an underload phase. And in this phase, you're going to get a little bit bored and you're going to underperform. You're just kicking around. It's boring. So imagine your spinning plates. We're going to look at this curve through the analogy of spinning plates. So when you have too few plates to spin, you literally can't do it. It doesn't really work. So you're underperforming. And then when you have a few more plates, it starts to work a bit better. And then you add a few more plates and the curve starts to rise towards its peak to the top of the hill. And in this phase, you've got optimum stress. It's when you've added just the right number of plates, you start to develop momentum, motivation, and just the right level of challenge and stress. And you've got high performance. In this place, the more plates, the better your performance, more equals more. So you're at the top of the hill and all is great. So this is where we all want to be all the time. The pace is sustainable and you're at peak performance. It's dreamy, you're engaged and you're in flow. So ideally, we'd spend all of our time at the top of that curve, at the top of the hill in peak performance. But what happens is if you start to just add a couple more plates, you start to tip into too much stress and suddenly the load is too much. You go into overload and suddenly more plates becomes less efficiency, less lower performance. It's harder to juggle the plates. Your performance suffers. You've got greater stress and your capacity to cope declines. So this is when your hill starts to go down, as you can imagine. And if you keep on adding even more plates, eventually you're going to drop all the plates and you're heading towards burnout. So your stress levels become so extreme that your performance dramatically deteriorates. So this is like the bottom, the other side of the hill. You're right at the bottom. So you're got no performance and lots of stress. So there's three phases of overload. When you're tipping into the overload zone, you've got a kind of functional overload, which is when you can cope with the amount you've been given, but for a short period of time. And often, you know, that that is the sort of thing that we live through when we think, oh, my goodness, it's Christmas and there's this going on and that going on. I've got to do all of this stuff for work by this time. And the children for a short period of time, we can cope with that. So you can cope with the functional overload if it's for a short period of time. But the next phase is dysfunctional overload. And that's when the level of stress becomes chronic and there's no end in sight. And the third stage is breakdown. And that's when the level of chronic stress becomes too much and you have a mental or a physical breakdown. So that's not very cheery, is it? What can we do about it? So well, what we can do is be aware where we are on the curve and then reflect on how we can build our resilience on how best to cope with periods of overload. So the next exercise I want to look at and talk about today is called boat on the water. And that's what helps us get really clear on what helps us individually to work best to build our resilience. But before we talk about the boat on the water, I want to talk quickly about resilience. It's a bit of a buzz phrase. But what does it actually mean? So resilience has been defined as the ability to deal with, find strengths in, and to recover from difficult times. So it's about getting through and bouncing back. And the key thing to remember about resilience is it's just like happiness, really. It's not something you just have. You're not just born resilient or born happy. It's something you do. So you have to do things to build and nurture and maintain your resilience. And it's that same way you have to do things to actively build and maintain happiness. 
So there's not just one thing that makes us resilient. It's caused by a kind of constellation of factors that work together to generate your resilience. And they're different for each of us. So that's why the next exercise is really good at helping you reflect on what are the things that help you best when you need extra resilience, when you need to build and have strong resilience. So to work out what your key resilience building activities are, I'd like you to imagine you're a boat on the water. So being well and healthy is a bit like rowing on a boat on a lovely day. But if an illness or another kind of problem were to occur in your life, it's a bit like crashing into a rock. So you've got the problem or the rock, that's half the story, but you're not likely to crash into that rock if the water levels are very high. So the water level represents our level of resilience. So when we're feeling good in ourselves and our emotional reserves are at a high, we may float over the rocks. But when we're having a bad day and we're feeling depleted, our water levels are low and we're much more likely to crash into them. So the question I'd like you to ask yourself is, what can you do that's going to keep your water levels high? So you can glide effortlessly over the rocks beneath rather than crash into them. So there are different things that you can think about. One way of looking at this is to draw a line on the page and have some arrows going down and some arrows going up. And the arrows going up are the things that are going to raise your water level. They're going to raise your resilience. And the downward ones are the kind of risk factors that are going to lower it. But let's look at what you can do. There are four areas of voluntary influence that are going to raise your water levels. So sometimes called your energy bank. And the four areas are the choice to nourish yourself. So are you eating a balanced diet and are you drinking lots of water? Because what you eat and drink can have a huge impact on your mood and your energy levels. It's common sense, but it doesn't mean that it's common practice. Um, even mild dehydration can massively impact your ability to think clearly. The second thing is exercise. Are you getting enough exercise? Just half an hour a day has been proven to be one of the most powerful things that you can do for your well-being. And happiness researcher Sean Aker goes even further. He says that just 15 minutes of fun movement is as powerful as taking an antidepressant a day. So exercise is a really another powerful upward arrow. The third one is, are you getting enough sleep? There are things that you can do, the upward arrows that you can actively do that are going to increase your likelihood of getting good sleep so you can make sure that you relax at the end of the day that you have a wind down period that you keep a regular body clock and that you exercise in the day so your body's tired when you go to bed and the fourth thing that you can do is have a good support network support from other people is a key upward arrow high levels of social support reduce stress and they can increase positivity happiness creativity, and they can even predict longevity as reliably as regular exercise does. So it reduces stress if you have a strong social network, and it also has a kind of protective effect on your well-being, even when there isn't stress around. The next thing to do is to reflect on what your upward arrows are and what your downward arrows are what you can do to influence them. So what practical steps can you take that are going to raise your water levels and reduce the downward arrows? Can you make a list of new realistic steps that you're gonna put into place in your life that are gonna help increase the upward arrows for you and therefore are going to raise your resilience? So now we have a better understanding of how we can become aware of where we are on the coping under pressure curve and what we can do that will help us to build our resilience. 
So now we're going to look at saying no to things, short term no's and long term no's, because our ability to cope with stress is enhanced if we can punctuate it. So we can cope with stress a lot better if we can break it up. Ongoing continuous stress is the most harmful thing for our body and mind. But if we can insert little pauses that renew us, we're going to cope much better. So things that you could count as renewal pauses are exercise. Just 15 minutes of movement will have a massive difference on your mood. Or getting yourself into nature for a well-being boost. It's going to be calming. It's going to ground you. It's going to be good for your body and your mind. You get extra well-being points for exercising in nature. Research shows that it takes just five minutes of physical activity in a green space. This is sometimes called green exercise to start generating positive emotions. So just five minutes, you're going to feel better. And if you can add blue things into the mix, so a blue environment such as a sea or a lake or a river, if you've got green exercise by water, you're going to have an even greater improvement in mood. So exercise, nature, exercise in nature and social connection. So can you just take 10 minutes out to call someone, to connect with someone socially, or better yet, maybe have a short walk outside in nature with a friend and have a catch up that way? Because it really has a huge, powerful, positive impact on you connecting with family and friends. And the final one is probably my favourite, micro naps. Do you take little disco naps, little power naps? I've always taken them and I swear by them. So they can be anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes. If you go over 30 minutes, you're at risk of feeling a bit groggy for an hour or so afterwards. So really good to have tight little naps, 10 to 20 minutes. Um, I have historically always set my alarm for about 23 to 26 minutes, depending on how quickly I reckon I can get to sleep. And so now we get to longer term loads. So how do we make sure that we don't end up in a position of overload again? Well, we can't control everything in our life, but we can try to remember to only do what's most important to us and what's going to have the most positive impact on our life and on our business. And there's a really neat way of trying to think about what that might look like. So I'd like to invite you to imagine a glass jar. And in that glass jar, you've got lots of gravel and you've got some big rocks. Now, the glass jar represents your life. The gravel represents lower value calls on your time. And the big rocks represent the most important things in your life, for which they're the things that we often struggle to find room in truth. So if we try to put the big rocks into the glass jar on top of the gravel, they're going to be really hard to fit. You just can't squish them in. So we're going to have to say no to the usual way that we tend to plan our lives. And we're going to have to empty that jar. So tip everything out of the jar and start again. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our empty glass jar and we're going to put the big rocks in first. And then with whatever room is left over, we're going to fill it with the gravel. So that way we're going to ensure that the big rocks, the most important things in our lives, fit into the time we have available. And what is it that's not going to fit in? Just some more of the less important stuff. And that's okay. So I'd love you to think about your life like that glass jar. So when you're looking at the day ahead, the week, the month, the year ahead, what are the big rocks that you want to put in first? And what are you going to have to say no to in order to make that happen? In this episode, we've looked at how you can tune into where you are on the coping under pressure curve, how many plates you're spinning and how the stress of spinning plates actually impacts on performance. We've also looked at the energy bank and the key things that we can do to increase our resilience and our capacity to cope with tough times. 
And finally, we've looked at how we can say no to things, to small things and to longer term things in order to help us cope and plan better in the future. So I hope that you found today's episode interesting and useful. And if you'd like to know more simple things that you can do on an everyday basis to improve your well-being, please do head to the show notes and there you can download 10 top tips for improving your well-being as a busy entrepreneur and mother. And if you want to go deep on how you can build a successful business around your family and thrive, I have a membership that can help you with that. Go to www.motherbrand forward slash membership for more information. And as a heads up, the doors to the membership only open a few times a year and they're opening soon. So do jump on the waitlist to make sure you don't miss out. If you've enjoyed the episode, please do hit follow, leave a rating, leave a nice comment and share with anyone else who you think might enjoy it. See you next time.